I'm here on episode number 50 of the Path to Fall podcast with Haswell and Mac Franklin. Has is the class of 79 from Gilman School and Mac is class of 2014. And what we really want to do today is just kind of go through some Gilman memories that you guys share. And there's a long history with the Franklin family and Gilman School. So really want to touch on everything that you guys can really remember about Gilman and and what the school means to you and some of the other things that come up in conversation because we we have known each other for a while and uh, my dad obviously played lacrosse with with Haz at Hopkins and played pickleball on weekends so we're we're pretty close but I definitely want to explore your guys connection to Gilman school today and really touch on some of the things that you hold dear about about Gilman so Great to have you, and thanks for coming in, guys. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having Looking us. Looking forward to it. So we can try to – I'll try to direct the questions at either one of you so you don't have to to share the mic too much. You can kind of just speak into it. But uh, we could start with Haz and, and, and Haz just ask you maybe what it was like kind of going to, to Gilman for your whole life and some of those memories on the athletic field here because – I know you're one of the all-time competitors, not only in lacrosse, but in squash and in pickleball. And and I had that experience firsthand really all the time with you guys. But um, <laughs> any any really fond memories that you have playing sports at Gilman that come to mind for you? you know, quite a few. We, when my class was the first, when we were freshmen, that was the first year that Gilman had moved up from the B conference to the A conference in football. So we had an A conference experience from that point on. Um, I can remember being a freshman watching the varsity, because I was on the JV, compete against, at the time, the big powerhouses were Poly, Calvert Hall, and Loyola. And then uh, it was fun to, uh, as a sophomore, to make the varsity football team and be on the first A conference championship football team that Gilman had. And then being part of, at that time, you know, I feel special when it comes to sports. At Gilman, the longest win streak in the Gilman-McDonough football um, <laughs> rivalry. We won, I think it's either eight or nine in a row, and, the, and I was on, on the team for, my, for the last three victories for that. And I, I tell people I'm, I'm lucky for rivalries because when I went to Hopkins, I was part of the longest win streak that Hopkins has over Maryland, 14 or 15 straight times. Wow. And stuff, never losing <laughs> to either one of my big rivals. Wow. So, so tell me a little bit about the McDonough-Gilman rivalry back when you were a student here at Gilman. Well, right when I became when I first came into school, I came in sixth grade, and that's when uh, Coach Sotier became the new football coach. And, and the McDonough had just finished having a three- or four-year run where they dominated the, the rivalry, and they won one year. I think it was 40 to nothing against us. And uh, so when Coach Sotier took over, we were – like a well-oiled machine and we won boom 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 and uh so it was, it was really right away once Sotir took over once, things once, changed a little bit yeah the, the attitude and the mentality just was uh you know perfection he, he was a like a Vince Lombardi type of coach we ran the off tackle till you stopped the off tackle and we ran it in practice every day until we did it right and uh coach Poggi, you know played for coach Sotir so he sort of brought that mentality back and Mm-hmm. when the team was doing so well then but it was it was fun the McDonough you know I guess my senior year because we had won I guess I think I don't know if it was seven or eight times I didn't check in a row and McDonough had their first 
really good team in about three or four years, and they thought they were going to break the the win streak against us. So they had beaten Polly that year, and we had lost to Polly. We were all we were in a three-way tie for first place in the division, and I I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, they brought down 19 busloads of students to to the major. Every student was at the game. They had a big banner they put over the one goalpost about, you know, go Eagles, wherever it said on there. And while they were doing that, the big tradi- thing was that back then, Notre Dame had just done this against USC where they came out in blue uniforms and, and ha- went back down before the game and changed their uniforms to green. Or McDonough <laughs> came out and in their orange uniforms, they hadn't wore black in who knows how many years. We had heard they were going to do it, and they changed into black uniforms with their names on the back. And they waited. Normally, the visiting team comes out first, but they didn't want to come out, so we went out so they could do their big spectacle. And they came out in their different change uniforms, and the place went wild, and <laughs> and, and they were all excited. And it was a pretty good football game for the first half. I think we were only leading seven to nothing, but then our our superior depth and, and coaching because McDonough had a new coach who actually did a good job for him but he was a, a rookie in the game and the reason I could say he, he's a rookie I remember him panicking and sending plays in on paper to the quarterback roll, drawing up roots try this mm-hmm. you, you don't do that in football uh, and <laughs> stuff and we ended up winning the game 35 to 8 and uh, it, it was a, a really good memory to be, be given that McMor- you know, I was the captain of the football team with uh, Ned Finney and we were we were given the trophy to, for winning the rivalry and to walk off the field at, with your last game, knowing that you crushed McDonough. It's a great feeling. Yeah. Was that the same year you did the little prank? Yes, that was a, a, uh, another story. Explain that one. Well, um, <laughs> we can tell that, but we'll tell they, it later. Well, we the, the uh, earlier about ten days before the football game, we came to school and on the big wall at the, the lacrosse field, they had. Um, Go Eagles, Gilman Stinks, painted on the wall, and they painted that on the blocking sleds. And we said, we're not going to let McDonough get away with that. So we went out to McDonough, and we painted McDonough, and <laughs> we got in a little bit of trouble because we did a better job painting than they did. <laughs> well, I know there are a lot of traditions in terms of the relationship between Gilman and McDonough and that They all started because of that painting incident. <laughs> and it's been back and forth ever since. Yeah, we weren't allowed to go over to if you went over to campus and did anything to McDonough, bad news and because of this guy. Yeah, that's, well, that's where we it started. We were the, the last painting class. I mean, I think the class of 75, they went, and this, as the story goes, they were they climbed up the ladder. We weren't going to do that because you get caught like they did to paint, you know, pluck the eagles. And, and <laughs> the students surrounded them so they couldn't come back down to the till somebody came of authority to let them down with safety. We weren't going to do anything like that. But, uh, but we got – we did – we. We were gentlemen and turned ourselves into Mr. Finney, and and we, we paid our punishment. Who were some of the uh, the players that you played with on that football team well, that you remember? Well, the, I can tell you the, the the big superstar on the team was a uh, Bennett Wilker or Jay Wilkerson's dad, Jim Wilkerson. Yeah, you know, he was the. We got to uh, get him on the podcast. He, oh yeah, he, he's a, and he was the quarterback of the team, and he was the. Uh, uh, First team all metropolitan quarterback for the state, and he's, he he was actually voted the best state in 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 Baltimore for the year. Senior year co-winners with a guy named Jim Chaber ended up playing for the Orioles some, but so he was the big star there. And then uh, Coach Pogey was one of our starting linemen, and he went on to first go to Pitt, then to Duke for college. And we had um, Thomas Booker's father was on the team, and his dad. Um, was a starting nose guard and, and tight end, and he played uh, at Wisconsin. 
Um, I played and I went to Hopkins for I played football and lacrosse down there. I was a, the other co-captain. I was a linebacker and um, and then we had Mr. Finney, son Ned Finney, and he played football up at Delaware. Um, he was one of the guards. Um, Joe Carroll was a running back in safety, and he ended up playing down at Wake Forest. So we had a, a pretty good good team, and then um, we had some other lacrosse players on the team. Um, we had Ted Mills, Paul and Paul Danko both played down for North Carolina when they won their national championships for lacrosse, so they were on the football team and, and contributing uh, pieces. But it was a good team. We had a great feeling as a team. One of the things that we did to create that atmosphere was that on Wednesday night there was the Horn and Horn Cafe down on and at the Rotunda and every Wednesday night, not every player but most of the players, we'd have 20 sometime, maybe 15, maybe 28. We'd go down there and, and it was all you could eat fried chicken. <laughs> and we would just eat and drink, have fun and a couple times the coaches came down with us just to build that bonding experience that you need as a team and it was a Probably the, the, the greatest feeling as a team I had for one that didn't win the championship because we lost out for the championship game by on criteria on how they did it because it was with the various head-to-heads and, and ties. But the team that won the championship, we beat during the regular season and shut them out. So we feel that we could have beat them again. Yeah, you really need those uh, those team bonding experiences like the Wednesday night meals together. I mean, that, that that's even maybe more important than some of the things that you guys do on the field is getting together outside of practice, outside of school, and getting to know each other better. Right. It's a, it's a, I think it's, it, that's made the team special Yeah. and stuff. Yeah, cool. So, Matt, so Mac, tell me a little bit about what you remember about the Gilman-McDonough rivalry and, and what that was like when you were in school here in class of 2014? Well, my last memory was tears. Uh, I believe we lost by 31, or it was like 37-6. So that was not uh, the best memory. But I remember one of my first memories before I even came to Gilman was going when to... When did you come to Gilman again? I came in sixth grade, came so sixth grade 07 too. fall. Um, but I think it was like right before, I think I was applying to Gilman and I came to the Gilman-McDonough game. It was at Gilman, or maybe McDonough. I don't. I don't know. But um, I remember just a lot of electricity. Just a very, very fun vibe. My dad was proud. My grandfather was proud. And we really wanted to beat McDonough. And you know, like kind of color association when you see blue and gray. I think Gilman. You know, and um, just from a from the time I was a little kid, it it meant a lot. And it was cool to play. Like I, you know, I was a long snapper. I didn't. You know, we were pretty good when I was here, so I, I had to find a way onto the field. But it was cool to be a part of the rivalry. You know that mm-hmm. my dad and uncles played a pretty big part back in the 70s and 80s. We came a little short when I was there, but um, to be a part of it's definitely special. How about the pep rally? Tell me a little bit about the pep rallies. So <laughs> I was actually in the pep rally my senior year. Um, I, I was a Gilman Raider a few times, and... When I was there, I don't know if it's still allowed, but we would make fun of McDonough for being uh, farm people, hillbillies. And we had my friend Vincent come in with his big F-150, you know, maxed out, and he kidnapped a bunch of our captains. And then I was in, like, a ghillie suit hiding under, like, a trash can in the stands. We all come out and have this big brawl. But um, I've seen videos of uh, skydivers, helicopters. Yeah, skydivers. That, I think, was my eighth grade year. J.D. Kameen set that up. But... Um, I think the coolest thing about the pep rally is you wake up that Friday and it just feels different. You know, it's a dress down day. Everyone's in their blue and gray. You're all ready to smack McDonough and you're, 
you know, you know, you get out of class for a little bit, so that's kind of cool. But um, there's definitely that whole camaraderie aspect where you're, where you're, you know, you don't wake up super excited to go to school every day, but pep rally day, definitely, uh, you know, you wake up a little bit earlier, earlier, you ask mom to get you to school a little bit earlier and you want to take it all in. Yeah. And even though there's so much back and forth between the school, two schools, there's also a lot of respect. And I know that like the class president goes and mm-hmm. speaks in, in front of the student body and there's, there's the shared respect, even though there's a lot of taunting and that kind of thing between McDonough and Gilman. Yeah. And, and it goes to respect. after high school too. Um, a couple of my good friends went to McDonough that I went to school with at Dickinson and you, you know, that, that rivalry kind of makes you friends. You know, you don't really know that many kids freshman year, but you remember, oh, that person went to McDonough. We can smack talk a little bit, but have that shared experience and, you know, kind of latch on to each other and know that, hey, if there's no one really here in the social setting, I can always talk to that McDonough kid because we have that kind of that connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, uh, I remember... I don't know what year. I may have been a father watching the the boys' pet rallies, but um, Gilman brought like the Morgan State band back mm-hmm. to play, and you know they aren't as big as the Florida A and M band, but they sure can uh, play a good good thing. So it was, it's, it was a good experience. I'm also interested in talking about some of your most fondly remembered coaches and teachers who who made a really big impact on you when you were both here. So if there's some teachers that really stand out to you that had a huge hand in your life and in your educational experience here at Gilman that would be I think interesting to to hear more about yeah we there's several you know I, I was fortunate I was in school with Mr. Fenny and he was every a role model for everybody and and stuff so he's remembered and coach Sotir um you know was a football coach that I loved playing for and and it, it was it was nice and, and and, and heck, I, he got me to help coach football with him at Friends to coach his grandson, <laughs> you know, 20 some years later, which was a great experience. But then it was fun that my, the wrestling coach was uh, Coach Brown, and, and he was the offensive line coach and defensive coordinator for the football team. So I got him in football and wrestling. And then we had Coach Allen, who was the uh, lacrosse coach, and, and he's a, just a really nice, nice person. And when I was in the upper school, we, he won two out of four, four of the time, two of the four years we were in upper school, we won the. MSAA conference, which is now the MIAA lacrosse championship. So he had quite the uh, uh, did a good job with all of us there too, and uh, that that's an, another uh, good championship stories we can tell there. <laughs> for me, for me, right right off the top of the head was my advisor, Mr. Guline. Never had him in the classroom, unfortunately. I don't know how Gilman let that happen, but he was my coach, my advisor, and mentor, and to this day we still text from time to time and. You know, happy New Year's, happy birthday. So he uh, definitely big, big part of Gilman. And then just thinking to a senior year elective I took was Villains and Antiheroes with uh, Mr. Hastings. And uh, that was, that was a fun class. I- I'm not the biggest uh, reader, you know, or in terms of like analyzing. Well, you, got your, you got your book right. Yeah, I've got, I've got a rec. Don't worry, I've got a rec. But uh, I'm not, I wasn't, I guess, back in the time, you know, always looking to, get excited into the literary depth of, you know, a fellow. But Mr. Hastings made it super fun, and he he did different things to get you engaged because he probably knew that a lot of us took it because of him. So and I'm pretty sure the senior year elective is kind of his baby. You know, I, I know he does different thing 
different theme every few years. So those two teachers uh, were really awesome for me. And then coach-wise, I'd probably have to say Biff Pogey. Um, I tried to quit the football team actually junior year. And I don't know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel like I contributed to wins or losses. But he had all the coaches and himself calling me, telling me, hey, man, we want you to be part of the team. Mm-hmm. Like, we Trust me, you're, you're, you're part of the team. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like the 60th guy on the bench. Like, why, why do you want me on the team? But, you know, no regrets. We won the championship, camaraderie. I, I'd like to call myself a glue guy type of thing. I don't think I ever played a meaningful down that season. But, you know, you make memories. And it, it was cool to feel wanted, even though I don't think – me playing made a difference in the season. What was, what was Biff like as a football coach for you? He he wanted you to be be great, but not because he wanted to be great. He saw like the potential in everyone, and then he he honestly it was about building men for others. It's so cliche, but he truly like it, I, I told you it didn't matter if you, if you were a long snapper or a kid off the top of my head. Brian Applefeld was the sig- signal caller. Um, he wanted you on the team. He wanted you to grow. Wanted you to become the best player and person you can be. And I thought for what? How long was he here? Twenty years or? Yeah, for as a coach. Thank about you. twenty years. I thought he did that. And you know, I'm sure there's hundreds of other guys that would say the same exact thing. One of the neat things for me as a parent alum was that the different teachers that were still at Gilman when my kids came, and to see them involved or, or teammates like Biff and I were classmates that he's teaching the kids, but. I can remember uh, John Schmick was the headmaster. He mm-hmm. was my JV defensive lacrosse coach, mm-hmm. and they were goal. He's a goalie coach. Bob Smith was the actual defense coach. Donnie and, Rogers and Don, well, Don Rogers wasn't wasn't here with me. Um, <laughs> Whoops. But Don was Mr. A, Wolf then. Yeah, P- Mr. Wolf. He was he was one. Don Abrams in the middle school was a French teacher when I was here, but he was teaching computer science when the boys were there. I think. Um, uh, Colbertsons. The Colbert, yeah, Ron Colbertson was here in the very beginning when the first kid. So it's neat to see that they, they carry on. And then the other aspect as a parent here that I see and, and appreciate even more is what the Gilman faculty members do. I mean, they care about their students and, and stuff. I can't tell you how many times driving one of the kids up to school, getting them here at 715, to meet a teacher who's taking the extra time to help them get their work so they can be ready to do. And, it, it, and people need really need to notice how much the faculty does. You you don't see that as a student, really, per se, but you, I really appreciate it as a parent alum. Office hours, you know, I mean, like they really preach that. I'm sure it's still a thing, but I remember if you weren't doing well, a teacher, you know, they sought you out to, to be like, hey, how can we correct this? And I'm sure there's thousands of schools that do the same thing, but at Gilman it is cool because, you know, Mr. Gulein still will text me Happy New Year. And I, we're probably not that close, but, you know, we he was my advisor, and there's that relationship that if you choose to, you it can carry you through for, for the rest of your life because that's the type of place Gilman is. And my father had the same thing as George Chanley taught my dad. I had George Chanley. We have Chanley Field. And my father always reminds me that when he was in the upper school, they won the championship four years in lacrosse, <laughs> not just two. And, and George Chanley was the, the coach, and they had a 50-some game winning streak. Uh, we had uh, Mr. Gamper, who at the time, my father tells us story. he was in Mr. Gamper's very first class that he taught at Gilman. 
and they all became such good friends with him that when Mr. Gamper got married that he and a bunch of his classmates actually got invited to the wedding. That's <laughs> awesome. So, That's pretty cool. Um, has So having gone to school here, been a parent here, and kind of seen the transformation from the time you were here at Gilman to when Mac graduated – um, and having been involved with the school for so long, what are some of the biggest things that you think have, have changed and stayed the same at Gilman over, over the years? I think that um, the, the, school, the school really has stayed a lot to its core, but we've, we've changed like society's changed. You know, we're more willing to, 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 to listen to the non dominant point of view and stuff i mean the little guy and stuff where before you know they may not have been as uh open open to to hear somebody who was a when we were in school piano player or doing but now we we they're much more welcoming to all types of and and molding all types of uh, young boys into men Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but it's uh but there's they're still true to their core of you know making sure that we do things on our own and that honor code and integrity and stuff like that. Gilman five, baby. Gilman five. And, um, and athletics have been so central at Gilman for, you know, and, and to this day for sure. But we were talking about it yesterday on the podcast. I had Boo Smith on yesterday and we were talking about how just what you said, art is very central to who Gilman is and music and theater. And it's very well-rounded and open and welcoming place. And even though athletics is is the core of Gilman, right? This the student athlete model and the teacher coach model. There are so many different other, there's so many other aspects that make Gilman an awesome place for everyone. Um, so I think you know I, I I see that too, and that's one of the reasons I really like Gilman. At first, is I could teach English, I could coach lacrosse, and and they also had an art department, which mm-hmm. which interests me at the beginning as we're walking through the halls and seeing all the artwork hanging up so well, allows you to do a podcast yeah podcast everything it's it's well-rounded it's a the, well-rounded environment the biggest change that i've seen in gilman is not so much with the faculty and it's in the students and what i mean by that is that when i was in school before i was in school it says all the good athletes played sports in the fall winter and spring now because of how society has changed you get students concentrating i'm only going to play football or I'm only going to play lacrosse and a school Gilman size and smaller cannot be successful in as many sports if your students don't play multiple sports mm-hmm. I mean back in the 70s Gilman was dominant in football and and lacrosse because half the team who played football they all played lacrosse so you had good athletes playing football and lacrosse you don't see that combination of athletes and Mr. Wilkerson, he was a three-sport athlete. I was a three-sport athlete. Joe Carroll was a three-sport athlete. And so we had all these guys that did multiple sports. And we, I It think was, like, encouraged. Right, right. Even when I was there, I remember um, the Holmans would play. Holmans would play multiple sports. Paul Danko would play multiple sports. Reed Barger. These are all guys older than me. I mean, in my grade alone, Garrett Pfeiffer, Willie McBride, they all played tons of sports and – I'm pretty sure the last time we made the playoffs in lacrosse was my senior year. So, you know, is be, you know, being a specialist can be good, but it's like you said, being well-rounded has its advantages as well. You use muscles that you wouldn't use in lacrosse that you use in football. You get a different style of coaching. Mm-hmm. You can kind of 
it's like a puzzle. You can add more pieces to it or figure out the right pieces by getting those different points of view instead of just focusing on that, uh, instead of having like tunnel vision, Right. I guess. Right, and I think football for sure is one sport that is really almost super important for lacrosse players to play because it does teach you a lot of the physical aspects of the sport of lacrosse. Toughens you out. Yeah, yeah, toughness, ground balls, contact, just not being afraid of... Welcoming contact. Right, welcoming contact. A lot of those uh, parts of lacrosse that I think you you need to be competitive. Yeah, I could, I could tell you, it's funny, funny, it definitely does. And then when my junior year was the year that we were, uh, we won number one for lacrosse. It's kind of funny, I see how the poor lacrosse teams are here. And before the season started, I remember Coach Allen told us, you know, we're going out there and have fun, guys. People think we're the worst Gilman lacrosse team that they've had in 50 years or whatever. And we just, again, like the football team, we had that camaraderie team thing. And, and I remember the News American was a paper then, and they had to call them a team, call them a team of this, call them a team of that, but always stress the word team because we won six games by one goal and won the championship. But no matter what, we were going to win that game at the end. And But most of the guys on the team that started both ways, we had Mike Sotier football team, Mike Davis football team, Jim Wilkerson football team, Haz Franklin football team, mm-hmm. um, David McDonald football. So there, we had a lot of multiple sport guys. And Ray Cameron, I think he played defense and soccer. Um, and you had Todd Parker, he played soccer. In, in lacrosse, so you had people who were playing multiple sports and and three sport athletes, and it, it helps because this place like Gilman, you only have limited spots, so you just can't you can't fill the class up with well, I got ten football players, ten lacrosse players, this. Well, how about the guy who wants to play the guitar, or this and that? So you gotta have people that are able and want to do more than one to be successful. How do you think uh, playing multiple sports helped you as an athlete? Well, I think that um, it, it helped me because keep competitive. You're, you're more competitive all the time. When you're not playing a sport in the offseason, you're just training it. That's not competition. So you, it's the competition. And then you're also using different muscles and, 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 and training and, and, and things like that. And I think that's the most important part. You're, you're not overusing muscles at a younger age and stuff like that because di- different things. But the competitive, it, 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 you, you compete more. And you need to learn how to compete because mm-hmm. that's what you're, you're doing the whole time. And the burnout. I know friends that focus on lacrosse for five, six straight years, prodigies, you know, some would say, and then they get to college and they don't like lacrosse anymore. Played it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just know while certain kids really love to play lacrosse, like William McBride, he was this amazing lacrosse player in my class, but he also loved to play basketball. He was our point guard for, our, for Gilman basketball team. And I think him playing basketball made him really good lacrosse player. He was so quick on his feet, and he was able to do, you know, just create these different angles that you might not necessarily see in lacrosse, but he learned it in basketball, um, which, you know, allowed him to go to North Carolina and be a pretty good player. So definitely a advocate of the multiple sports. So, so guys, thinking about uh, Gilman as a place, what are some of the – and we, we've covered some of this, but what do you think – really makes Gilman, out of all the independent schools in this area, unique and special and maybe different from from other places? I'm going to say pride. Like, I know I'm very prideful that I went to Gilman, my dad went to Gilman, my brothers went to Gilman, my grandfather went to Gilman. We all graduated on time and, you know, hope to 
represent it well, but um, you know, beyond camaraderie, like my best friends are still from my class at Gilman. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a funny story actually. I've been I wanted to bring this on the podcast. We so the Lumen Center came in. I believe my seventh grade year. They were building it then, and we had to bring in our own lunches. But then my eighth grade year, or whenever they started doing it, the food came in and they incorporated the food as part of the uh, the tuition. The food was solid, but some days were better than others. But then there was one day that was just the golden day. It rained supreme, and it was chicken tenders. And we would get pretty rowdy for chicken tenders. And as eighth graders with the seventh and sixth graders, probably a little too rough in terms of getting to the line, they took away our tenders. But <laughs> I remember a uh, bunch of kids in my class, I want to say it was probably Kyle Tarantino or Tyler Wakefield, probably behind the master, you know, probably behind this master plan. But we organized a fourth period boycott of school and we spelled out tenders with our body on what is now Sotir, the, the Sotir field. We sang a tenders theme song and we demanded we got tenders back and eventually we did get our tenders back. But it's just memories like that where it's so silly and you think, you know, what are we even doing? But you get 90 boys to come around chicken tenders and doing it at Gilman and Gilman, they were, they were cool about it. They, they weren't mean to us, you know, they, they understood it, but uh, that's just a memory I have from the camaraderie of Gilman. The friendships you make and you, yeah. you know. Tenders you... or tenders, we, we uh, <laughs> Gilman or Gilman, we had tenders or tenders. Oh my gosh, that's good. Has how about you, what is, what is something that you think that separates Gilman from other places or makes Gilman a unique school? I think um, the commitment to excellence and stuff. I mean, Gilman, when you go to Gilman, you do, you, everybody's striving to be the best they can be. And some of the other schools, they admit, hey, we don't do that because we don't want to scare people off and they make it a little bit easier and, and stuff. But it's, I think you can do and strive to be the best and still do it in a loving and caring way. I think Gilman does that. And so if they don't just do it and and throw the the people off because the faculty cares they want to make sure everybody strives to be the best and it's just a that you have to make that commitment if you're willing to make that commitment Gillen's willing to work with you and that's the, the main difference what ways do you think that that commitment to excellence really set you both up for the next step of your life maybe it was college maybe it's professional world but what, what are some things that you learned here at Gilman that you really took with you when you graduated uh in terms of academics just the standard of excellence as my dad's talking about like I, when I got to Dickinson College which is a pretty good liberal arts school but I didn't find it easy but I just found it more naturally what the professors were asking of us oh read this write this type of paper mark it up annotate take notes participate like you know if I didn't go to Gilman a participation grade probably scared me a little bit but when I'm like oh participation is 35% of the grade. I'm like, okay, that's this is a class that legitimately have a good chance to get a high grade in because I know, okay, they just want to see engaged effort, show that you care, and build on some skills from the beginning of the class to the end of the class. Um, I think just preparation is something that you don't even realize it's happening, but they prepare you to succeed, um, almost in like a mindset type of way. You know, you want to be surrounded by winners, it's what Gilman does. I remember there was a guy in my class, his name was Richard Shin. 
unreal pianist. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to say he was the number one and whatever, but he was by far and away the most one of the most talented musicians I've ever seen. And you know, we have someone like that in our grade that pushes you to want to be better in something else. Um, or you have someone like who Chibuzo Kondo, who's going to Na who went to Navy, played football there, you know, and he's serving right now. You're like, okay, that's a, that's someone that motivates you, it inspires you. Um, but I think it all comes from Gilman laying that foundation, believing in us and showing us that, hey, you know, we see some potential in you, see it in yourself. Let's work together and you guys are going to be able to do some great things. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. It's the people. You know, Gil Gilman, people, we learned how to accept people for who they are and what they are and, and, and stuff and have friends from all different parts of life you know because that was the one thing that Gilman did because back when I was in age we went to the public school you went to the public school everybody in your neighborhood mm -hmm. and everybody in your neighborhood may look the same and may have the same, make same kind of income well you come to Gilman we had people from parts of Baltimore City that you know they were getting help and stuff. And they had to ride a bus to school all day long and and so if you learn to be friends with them and interact, and it, and it was important. Even past graduating, you know, you see someone that went to Gilman, probably going to say hi, and it's not going to be awkward. I know in my grade at Dickinson, two kids went to Dickinson with me from Gilman. We weren't the best friends, but, you know, if you're alone at the lunch hall or you see them passing by, you're going to say, what's up, and you're going to catch up and, uh, and there's even older guys like Palmer Murray and Lynn Worthington who, and Jack Feckety, who, you know, I'm there as a freshman, I don't really know what I'm doing, but because I went to Gilman, you know, they reach out and say something. They don't even know me, but it's just the fact that, hey, I went to Gilman, he went to Gilman, probably got some similarities, why don't we try to, you know, help this kid out? Right. You always have that connection together. And, and, Gil and Gilman's done a great, great job. I mean, I look at my classmates, and I mean... I like to think I've done done well in my life and 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 and, and different areas. But God, I got we had Biff and who who came to be one of the best high school coaches in the area. I had John Jacobson, who's one of the top hedge fund managers. He's the the one that made the primary gift for the Lumen Center. <laughs> um, Brian Sullivan, he ran for governor of the state of uh, Minnesota. He was on the cover of People's Magazine for some water. Uh, treatment business that he had uh, Rick Snyder he's currently the um, inspector general of the Navy he's a three star admiral wow. so he his job is to make sure every naval ship and base is ready for action for whatever they have to do so I mean we have a, just it's the, you know you're surrounded by people of, and guess what they all care about other people it wasn't like they got to where they were and they don't care they, they've given back and stuff and that's the, the, the neat part about it yeah, and, you know, when something tragic happens in your life, the people that reach out are your Gilman friends. I mean, other people do too, but I always notice, like, on a birthday or whenever something big happens in my life, the majority of it is Gilman classmates. And it's probably, you know, a lot of it, that's the extent of our relationship uh, over text and stuff, but it's nice to know that, hey, you know, we're still thinking about each other even though we haven't seen each other in four or five years, but it's like, hey, we went to Gilman together for seven years, and 
there's a lifelong bond that comes with it and you know if we ever it, we pick up where we left off it's it's overlapping like i can think of like tim holly was my teammate mm-hmm. he's here coach football coach basketball baseball athletic director now he's special assistant and alumni relation what what a he was a nice person then he's a nicer person now nick sloter was a few years behind but his father was a our teacher was a great teacher it's fun because nick coaches football down at hopkins and i played football at hopkins i like to follow there and that that connection so you so, so many connections in life all over just showing that it's a a small world you'll even get like my roommate coleman his little brother and my little brother both in the same class so like right there we have two dynamic duos in the same class and kind of like intertwined and his class their class really knew us our class really knew them and by the time they were seniors, you know, they're running the school because people have been coming up to them since they were little, like, oh, I know your brother. And um, I don't know, for me, it was cool. My senior year, I had both my brothers in the upper school, which is hard to do if you don't have twins. Like, we had a senior, a junior, and a freshman. All. What was that like at Gilman when all the Franklin boys were in the, in the same building? From a student's point of view, it was probably pretty fun. From a faculty <laughs> point of view, it's a little chaotic, um, I'll, I'll admit, but... Uh, I don't know. It was, first word that comes to mind, just awesome. It, you know, walk out, walk in the hallways, bump my brother in the hall, in the lockers. Then the little one comes out of nowhere. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And then you know, I'll be in the senior room, and Drew would be helping selling jerky with Vincent Posterly, and come to the senior room, and all the seniors are like, "You're not allowed in here," but he's like throwing up his VP jerky credentials. He's like, "Actually, I am allowed in here," and then you know, just. <laughs> It's fun. It, it, it's a, Gilman's connections are for life. I mean, as an example, Chris Lynch, who's a year ahead of us at me at, me at Gilman, yeah, I think he's the chief of staff for Ben Cardin's senator office. At one time, Rick Snyder, our friend who's the, the three-star admiral, his job was air defense of the of North America. So at any time somebody wanted to have a flyover for their stadium or event, they had to get approval through Rick. Well, Chris doesn't really that's Rick and he's over here and calls up this office and he says who's the, the I have to speak to Rick Snyder hey I think I'm at the school with him hey Rick Chris Chris Lynch here I'm the chief of staff for Ben Cord we want to get a military flyover no problem Chris just little little things like that and then Rick tells about I forget the general's name who was in Bob Ehrlich's class who was running the Afghanistan war thing where they were working together at the Pentagon and Gilman comes up and they they just bonded over that so it's, it's a really neat little Little thing. It's like it's a miniature version of like Hopkins and the Ivy League, where your your alumni are successful and they and they take care of each other. You feel the same way about Hopkins that you do about Gilman in terms of these these long lasting connections, or is it even more so more tightly entwined at Gilman's Gilman? more tightly entwined because you know all the students and and I have friends who aren't really um, who, who aren't necessarily athletes. They were. The other aspect too, so you connect there. At Hopkins, my experience is slightly different than a lot of because I I commuted the whole time. I never lived down on campus, and, and and stuff. But my teammates for lacrosse and football and things, we're we're very touched there. I don't have as many friends outside the athletic part because Hopkins is very focused on the academics, and you made them your freshman year in the dorms, mm. and so it's so a different part. But I think that too afraid of, the, of schools, the dorms. I think some of the in, in other schools, it, it probably is, could be close to that. We talked about playing two sport, being a two sport athlete, being a multi sport athlete, 
at Gilman, but when you went to Hopkins, did you find that pretty hard to manage playing football and lacrosse at the same time? And, and wrestling. And <laughs> wrestling. And Under wrestling. Three, yeah. three sport athlete at Hopkins. Yeah. He's got ten varsity letters. Yeah. I th- I think Crazy. I don't know the the official date, but somewhere from like nineteen fifty on, I probably have more varsity letters than any other male athlete at Hopkins and stuff. I can't say that at, at Gilman because I have some cla- classmates that got four years on the varsity. I only did three for three years and four for lacrosse. But it, 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 you know, Gilman helped me be able to do that because Gilman taught me the discipline to manage my schedule so I could, could play three sports. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I didn't have that... You don't see that, that at all nowadays, the three-sport athlete no, it's, in it's, college. It's, it's hard. It was, it, we didn't, there were only 10 of us at that point in time my senior year, and the, they found that they thought there was only one. Then they found there were 10 other or nine other students who were playing three sports throughout the country. But you had to have good dis- discipline. And, and Gilman, I was used to it because I played football, wrestled, and lacrosse here. So I, I had the routine, the schedule, and it was, it was easy to continue. I wasn't as successful, but I agree. Like, you know, it was fall season. Then winter season, you're just in the next mode. Spring season, there was never like a break, but that didn't matter. You were excited to get to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to the next sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so, guys, you, you have a book recommendation. I know Mac does. I don't know if Haz does, but let's let's get to that and uh, and discuss what you so, brought in here. This one is called "The Greatest Gambling Story Ever Told: A True Tale of Three Gamblers, the Kentucky Derby, and the Mexican Cartel" by Mark Paul. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but it's pretty, pretty interesting. It's fun. It's a fun read. Um, I, being from Baltimore, I'm a pretty avid horse racing guy. The Preakness, I've watched it probably every year of my life, and um, it's on my. I, I've been to the Preakness. I've been to the Belmont. I want to go to the Kentucky Derby, but this, this story kind of infused. You know, reminded me of my friend. You know. If my friends and I were willing to risk it all, you know, it was a three buddies got an idea and kind of just kind of got carried away with it and spoke a lot to me where, you know, they were just kind of chasing that dream (laughs) and kind of, you know, everyone thinks the path of life is a straight path, whether it's so many ups and downs and the valleys really help you get to the peaks and they had some valleys in here, but, um, who recommended this book to you? how did you find it? So actually, um, I I actually looked up books I wanted for Christmas, um, and I found this book, and I just asked him to get it for me for Christmas, and he he did. Um, I don't I don't I don't really gamble, but the the I, everything behind it kind of you know excited me. Awesome, cool. Well, I'll have to check it out. And Has did you have a book well, recommendation? I will give you- I do. There's two types of book reading. Says I read a lot of um, <laughs> only two in the entire world. No, for me, I read a lot of historic type of fiction novels, and I like reading. You know, I, I enjoyed reading the uh, books by uh, Jeff Sahara on the Civil War. He wrote. You know, his father wrote the Killer Angels, so he wrote um, the Last Full Measures, Gods and Generals, and all these books about the Civil War. And he, and he put his own personal bits to give us insight into the various leaders of the time from Sherman to Grant to Lee um, and, and I found that interesting and stuff and then if you're looking for a book and you want to run a business I, it's a book by Jack Mitchell called Hug Your Customers and it's about how, how important it is to make your customers feel special hmm. and that's how you become successful. Customer service. Yeah. 
Awesome. A couple of great ones. And um, guys, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thanks for sharing some stories, some memories from your time at Gilman. And, um, and we'll see you on the pickleball court soon. Got one last thing. For the North podcast coming out, if you like Ravens football and you like AFC North, just be on the lookout. We've got you covered. <laughs> Had to do the plug. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jake.